0: Welcome to The Pilot Podcast,
1: where we watch the pilot episodes of TV shows and recap other shows to answer your question, should I watch this?
0: My name is Me Too.
1: And my name is BJ.
0: And this week we're watching the CBS supernatural crime procedural evil.
1: So stay tuned to find out if Me Too's going to become a forensic psychologist and team up with a priest. Nope. It's an interesting career path, though.
0: I'm uninterested in dabbling with the demon. Thank you.
1: Just don't close all those doors. I want you to have every opportunity in life.
0: Mm-mm. I don't like that this was our 100th episode. I don't entertain that kind of juju. I don't entertain demons. I don't entertain any of this. I'm just here so I don't get fined.
1: Well, how about you entertain our listeners by giving them a little bit of a summary of this show?
0: I do want to preface this by saying I don't necessarily believe in any of this stuff. I'm just saying I believe in bad juju and I don't want it. Okay? That's what I'm saying. I don't want to sound <laughs> ridiculous. I, now I sound like Kiki Palmer. I hope I don't sound ridiculous. So, in this first episode, we're introduced by Kristen Bouchard, who is played by Katia herbers She's a clinical psychologist who joins a priest in training, David Acosta, played by Mike Coulter, whom you'd recognize from Luke Cage, and a contract worker that David met at war named Ben Shakir, who is played by comedian Asif Manvi. It's kind of dope to see him in this new role. And in this first episode, they tackle a crime together. It is a procedural. A murderer tries to claim he's possessed by a demon and originally Bouchard was an expert witness for the defense claiming that he was mentally fit to stand trial and that he wasn't insane. But when she was presented with this demon stuff for some reason that posed some doubt for her. And so she worked with Acosta and Coulter to figure out if this murderer was being for real about a demon being in his life or if he was faking it. Based on this first episode, Episode. It looks like throughout the show, Evil, we're going to be seeing Bouchard, Acosta and Coulter team up with Acosta being on the side of team demons are real, team miracles are real, team faith. And then Bouchard and Coulter being the folks with healthy skepticism for what they're seeing. And of course, we're going to combine all of that with Bouchard's clinical psychologist background she is also a mother of four daughters she has an absent husband who climbs mountains for a living in nepal away from his family
1: so me too i think one of the things that really stood out to me and i'd like to get your opinion on Is that even though this is a supernatural show, they don't start off making it clear if demons are real in this world.
0: Yeah, so she has a series of bad dreams where a demon appears and she can't tell if those dreams are real or not. And honestly, even in the conclusion of the show, to not give anything away, you still feel a bit confused no matter how you came away from how it all happened, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so I can't tell if that's an intentional part of the world building, is that we'll always be a bit off kilter, trying to figure out What's going on or going down in hell? I
1: think that might be the writer's intention where they want the viewers to be in the same position as Kristen. She is an ex-Catholic, as she describes herself. She's not religious. She doesn't believe. But after teaming up with Acosta, she's starting to have some small doubts The skepticism is kind of getting a little testy. So I think they want us to be in that position and slowly come to a conclusion maybe by the end of the season or make it a little more defined by the end of the season. Maybe there is something supernatural going on.
0: You made a really good point there. Unlike other crime shows, the only facts that we know are the ones that are in front of Bouchard. So sometimes you get to see something happen as the viewer that you're excited for the investigation investigator to find out and piece together. Whereas you, me and Kristen, are all confused.
1: Exactly. And I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. We don't have too much information, and that makes the mystery more exciting because she has, I believe, two dreams in this first episode. And especially with that first one, when you don't even know what's going on, you start to think, okay, maybe she's about to get eaten by a demon. I don't know.
0: I really didn't know what was going on because I actually didn't watch that scene. In the interest of full disclosure, there were about two or three scenes featuring potential demons or not demons that I had. To to just tag out and BJ just tagged me back in when they were over. So those all called the lost moments of the show for me.
1: That just added to the thrill. Like what happened? Mm
0: -hmm. I was even more confused than Kristen, let alone being in the same boat as her.
1: And what did you think about the other side of the world building with Acosta, who's taking on this relatively recent field of assessing things for the church, for the Catholic church to be specific. So assessing miracles, looking into demons, performing exorcisms, and he's tying that to evil people, such as a murderer.
0: I am really excited to learn about Acosta's backstory. I don't think you come to a place of firmly believing these sorts of things are real without something pushing you in that direction. We got a hint of his background that he was at war and that's where he met Ben Shakir. But I wonder what led him to this place. And I hope that they explore that on the show because he is all in.
1: Yes. Firm believer.
0: And it's interesting how firm a believer he is that even when he explains to her that in this instance, this one thing could not be a demon, but a demon could still be influencing that thing. And I know we're speaking vaguely because we don't want to give away what happened, but he never let go of the theory that somewhere a demon is involved.
1: Which I think is interesting because you could really stretch out that philosophy and say all of these crimes may not be performed by someone possessed by a demon, but could be influenced or set in motion because of demons.
0: He explains the bad happening in the world, however you define the bad. He was looking at the news when he told her this, and it looked like on the screen, maybe some sort of violent protest or something, I believe, was depicted on on the television screen. And he said all of the bad out there is because... We're no longer controlling demons. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he meant it in the metaphorical sense that most people use it where, you know, I'm controlling my demons. I'm not going to give in to X, Y, Z temptation. I think he really meant like control your inner Roy.
1: Yeah. He gave Bouchard a cross at the beginning of the episode and was like, you're going to need this girl. Like watch out.
0: I wonder if they've received any pushback from the Catholic Church on this because they talk about how lucrative it is. I don't know if it's as lucrative now. Apparently my favorite thing to do on this podcast is direct people to other podcasts but the show You're Wrong About did an incredible episode on the history of exorcisms and how the movie The Exorcist basically created an industry in which priests were performing exorcisms everywhere because people were able to use these demons to put the blame on them for their bad behavior. That's something that Asif Manvi's character got into is people just want an explanation for why someone would do these things. So, for example, in this show, one of the people, they go to someone's house and that person believes that their house is possessed by a demon. And that's why this horrific crime took place there. And they learned later that may not be the case, but that was Ben's central thesis was she needs a demon to be there because she can't think just something really, Really bad happened.
1: Which I think is interesting because it leads into Kristen's psychology background. Because throughout the episode, when the murderer on trial claims to be possessed by a demon, she has dreams about a demon coming to visit her. And every time this happens, she immediately goes into her psychology mode and breaks down. If you're going through this type of situation, you'll have these type of visions and thoughts. And then that can be interpreted as a demon named George visiting you in your bedroom. So it's really smart that they added that to her background because It gives a more understandable way of reasoning why demons wouldn't be real. Yes. Versus a standard like, oh, I just don't believe it. She is coming up with another explanation, which is helping make it unclear to us as the viewers. Are there demons in this world?
0: That lends itself again to the nature of this world that we're talking about, which is there's no sure footing. Mm -hmm. Toward the end of this episode, there's a moment where you're like, oh, this was just standard fair criminal practice. But then there's some other stuff that you're like, but it was the <laughs> demon behind it or no, I believe for the rest of this show, you'll just be in that limbo that purgatory, no pun intended.
1: What did you think of the actual performances? Because I think those played a huge role in making us doubt both sides of this demons real or not question.
0: Everyone was really great on the show. For me, I thought Mike Coulter was especially a strong casting choice because he just plays serious and buttoned up so well. It feels like he really believes in this stuff that's happening. And Mm. so he takes the intensity of that Luke Cage character that is almost comically buttoned up to this and it feels right. Because if you were training to be a priest, but you're also a military member, I believe he is, so you have that intensity and discipline about you, but you also firmly believe in demons, that's an intense person.
1: That's a lot going on.
0: That's a lot going on. That's a mosaic of chaos. And he plays that well.
1: Yeah, I think he does a great job. And our lead protagonist Katya Herbers. She does a really good job, especially because she has scenes like in the dream sequences where she's acting essentially by herself and has to pretend someone else is there. And those are very challenging to make it believable that she's talking to someone and is scared that there's a thing in the room with her. She does that well.
0: I also think she toes the line well between she's a little bit of a pathetic character. She used to be a mountain climber and her husband still is a mountain climber. And he's in Nepal doing assisted climbs with people and making little money to support their horde of children. But but she is at home willingly allow him to pursue their dreams of climbing so she can be the primary parent, primary caregiver, primary earner in their home. That's a lot. And I think that it takes a bit of a submissive personality to allow him to do that. But conversely, you also see her kick butt. You see her confront people. You see her be a really smart expert. You see her willing to go toward danger, to see through the case and figure out what happened so I'm excited to see her development because the actress right now is playing both parts really well. It's hard to play someone who is both vulnerable and a little pathetic and also believably strong, reliable and someone you'd be like, all right, if there were a demon in the room, I'd hope she'd be there to confront them so I can slip out undetected.
1: She would be a good person to have around.
0: I mean, I don't know because she's also a bit of an angel of death
1: True. Being around her could be the problem as well
0: it's like in my hallmark movies and mystery channel movies do you want to be friends with those protagonists no because they live in these small towns and they keep discovering these dead bodies and they're like 10 percent murder rates
1: that's why you'd never want to live in riverdale
0: no i I don't know how there's still a town of riverdale they're all dead
1: or in that prison
0: (laughs) or in that prison or in that bunker
1: (laughs) or on drugs
0: or on that jingle jangle whatever that stuff is called
1: Sorry, listeners.
0: This is what you get for the 100th episode, and I apologize.
1: (laughs) I think this is great. Getting back to our two complex protagonists. So one of the things that I was actually surprised they make very clear through explicit questions to Kristen. She is attracted to Acosta. Yes. And there were already hints of flirting and chemistry between them. So how long do you think that's going to be teased until they really start exploring that relationship?
0: If the show is renewed, which I imagine it would be because it is getting really great reviews right now, probably teased a little bit now, then we'll see more development in the second season because I imagine her husband making a Hail Mary appearance. There's going to be that classic television moment where they're going to almost get together toward the end of the season. Then the husband's going to show up. Then she's going to be conflicted. And then into season two, it'll start with her being with the husband, but still fighting and trying to figure out what's going on with the Costa. This is a really fresh take on the concept of the procedural, but I think some things are just classic television tropes.
1: Yeah, romances on these shows tend to always follow very predictable paths, and they start off in a very predictable manner. And they're obvious, but not in a bad way.
0: I agree. I think there's something nice about it, actually.
1: Yeah, two people happen to be drawn together by demons, and they're. Eyes lock and the sparks start to fly.
0: <laughs> it's not sparks, BJ. It's flames and they're from hell. I'm not trying to say this is nice. I don't think people should bond over devil man. It's a
1: miracle.
0: <laughs> what I'm saying is, stop. What I'm saying is, just the general trope of romance on shows is nice. I love a romantic comedy. I love all those things.
1: They do a lot of true and false questions and lie detector style questions in this episode. Which... It just seemed like there are so many questions.
0: Yeah, I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be a theme that they're going to go back to on the show. So basically, in order to assess whether or not he's fit to stand trial, Bouchard questions Orson, the murderer, with this 500-point test of questions assessing his mental fitness. It keeps coming up even as she's going into this demon investigation.
1: Yeah, and even into her own dream, she's getting questioned.
0: Yes. So, yeah, I don't know if that's going to be a theme of the show because I was surprised how often they came back to that 500 question quiz.
1: And I was surprised why they kept asking, have you had diarrhea this month?
0: That was weird.
1: So how about we kind of go into our predictions, because one thing you brought up while watching the show is there's another side to this we haven't seen yet, which are the miracle assessment that Acosta said he does. Do you think that will be a plot line that can be blended into a crime procedural.
0: I mean, I don't know that demons were something I had initially considered as being something you can blend into a crime procedural. So so toward the end of the episode, it sounds like the next case that they're going to investigate is a miracle that has been captured on tape. I wonder if those are going to be like fraud investigations. So not every episode of evil is death or murder, but it's like, you know, it's like that uh, Gypsy Rose Blanchard thing that we were just talking about with the politician. Like, is it people who are saying these things are happening and are trying to get money, fame, access? Yeah,
1: con artists.
0: Mm -hmm. Are they con artists? So I wonder if that'll be some of the miracle episodes. The scope of his supernatural investigations isn't just demon possession.
1: Yes, the good and the bad. Best to both worlds.
0: That's Hannah Montana.
1: I mean, at the end of the day, everything is connected to Hannah Montana.
0: BJ, are you ready to rate CBS's Evil?
1: Sure. So I would give Evil, Would Watch Again, casually i will say the first night terror that bouchard had shocked me caught me off guard yeah and warning to our listeners there are some blood scenes you know some physical violence beyond typical crime procedurals so be prepared for that it's a little graphic so that's why i wouldn't watch it seriously i don't want to see that every week I don't need to see demons hurting people all the time. But I do think this is a fascinating take, and I really do like that they aren't answering the question of whether or not the supernatural is real in this world, and I think that makes it more interesting to me. So I'm gonna keep up with it. I wanna see what the next case is like, how they incorporate miracles into the storyline, and ultimately see if we get some more answers about George.
0: So I'm really intrigued by this show. The storyline is great. Like you said, because there's no clear answer on whether this exists or not, I love that they're keeping the investigation as a central part of the world not having us know and then we're waiting on them to meet us where we are in knowing that like for sure demons are real or for sure all of this can be explained by science or facts but I am somewhere below would watch again casually because it really scared me so I want to know how this all turns out I wish I could say I was would not watch again but when he said that our next case is a miracle caught on tape I was Instantly interested. Mm -hmm. So I would maybe recommend to my fellow listeners who are not into scary things, who don't want that bad juju in their lives to watch it because it's interesting, but to skip the scary parts. I don't think... I missed anything by skipping the scenes where that demon was wreaking havoc in her dreams. I missed the gory stuff. I saw BJ's reactions to what was happening on screen. I'm happy I missed it. And I don't think I missed any of the story by skipping it.
1: You lose some of the flavor and the lore, but you know what's happening in the plot.
0: I have enough seasoning in my life. I can lose a little bit of that flavor, especially if that flavor is, ooh, the devil.
1: Well, if you want to find some non devil flavored reviews and shows, head to our website at thepilotpodcast.com. You can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. And be sure to leave us a rating and review. It helps others discover us. And consider supporting us on patreon.com The Pilot Pod. You'll get access to exclusive episodes, polls, AMAs, and merch.
0: You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at The Pilot Pod. You can like us on Facebook at The Pilot Podcast. You can send thoughts, feelings, happy things to counteract some of the evil we just saw on evil to ask askthepilotpodcast at gmail.com. And thank you to Ronnie for editing this episode. You can access his fabulous editing skills at bristolpodworks.com. Bristol spelled B-R-I-S-T-O-L. Thanks for listening. Bye.